coming to you from the U.S. and streaming all over the world. This is Shotgun Sports USA. Get accurate, reliable information in every single episode. With interviews from the best shooters in the game, the best gun clubs across the globe, and industry-leading companies that revolutionize the sport. Find us online at ShotgunSportsUSA.com. Shotgun Sports USA is driven by Beretta, the number one choice of champions. Also brought to you by Cole Gunsmithing, Rick Hemingway's Promatic Trap Sales, Castellani USA, and Ultimate Shooting Accessories, Sound Gear Phantom, Clay Target Vision, and Clay Shooter Supply. Welcome to the show. Better with Beretta. Pro tips from the number one choice of champions. My name is Joseph Finizzi, professional shooter for Team Beretta. I would definitely say that one of my favorite parts about clay target shooting is competing internationally. Uh, there's no thrill quite like having the opportunity to represent your country in a foreign place and compete for something bigger than just yourself. Uh, a huge part of why I love clay shooting uh, besides the sport and the competition itself is the, the places it has brought me and the phenomenal opportunities to travel. Uh, competing internationally for the first time certainly takes you outside of your comfort zone a little bit, uh, but it provides each shooter with so many chances to learn from experience and get better. Uh, there's nothing quite like gathering around the village area before you load up to go to your layouts for the day and you hear 10 different languages being spoken and you kind of realize that there are people from all across and around the world that enjoy doing the same exact things that we do, which is pointing a shotgun and breaking clays. Something else that I really like about competing internationally is it somewhat presents a scenario for people from a certain country to kind of band together and you end up finding yourself spending time with people you might not normally be around that much back in your home country for competitions, uh, but then you become good friends with them and share fun experiences in other places and it creates a bond and a friendship that may last uh, for many years to come. I've met some of my closest friends competing at events internationally uh, and I look forward to seeing them when I come back to my home country, if they are from, from my home country or you know if they're from somewhere else, I definitely look forward to seeing those folks at the next international competition where our paths may cross. Uh, I highly recommend attending international competitions. If you never have before, you won't regret it. My guest on the show today is a gun club owner out of Naples, Florida. With his busy work schedule, he shoots when he has time. And when he shows up, don't be surprised if his name is at the top of the scoreboard at the end of the weekend. He is now the two-time back-to-back Florida State champion and a heck of a nice guy. Please welcome to the show, Corey Rudd. Corey, welcome to the show. Hey, Justin. Thanks for having me, man. I'm a big fan of the show. Well, good. You seem like you're an extremely busy guy. I know you've had a lot going on for the past month, for sure. Honestly, I feel like I, I seem like I'm just busy all the time. Um, the way our club works is we're, we're pretty seasonal, so we go nonstop 
from about uh, the beginning of November all the way till the end of April. After that, it kind of lightens up and I'm able to travel and do some of the other stuff that I like to do. So yeah, six months hard. And then, like I said, the other six months just kind of relaxed and get to travel a little bit, maybe shoot a little bit more. But yeah, that's that's kind of the way it goes right now. We'll talk about that place in just a second. I had someone message me and tell me, look, you got to get Corey on. And you definitely have an interesting story. And I want the listeners to hear it once we get around to it. We both know who that guy was that called me. But anyway, (laughs) tell me how you got started in this sport to start with. So I got started in sporting plays kind of by accident. Whenever I started a little bit later than most of these young guys that are coming up, I really, I don't think I shot my first round of sporting plays till I was 19 years old. And what happened was, is I was just getting ready to graduate high school. I didn't really want to go to college. Not saying that you shouldn't, obviously you should, but I just really wasn't quite sure where I was going in life. And a family friend who worked at, uh, um, the Nemecolon Shooting Academy at the time, which is a club there in southwestern Pennsylvania where I'm from, had said, hey, you know, would you be interested in, you know, getting a job here, becoming a trapper? And I didn't know anything about sporting plays, didn't know anything about the sport. And uh, I said, man, I get to go to work as, you know, like a 19-year-old kid, just go and hang out with a bunch of people shooting all day. It sounds like the guy, my kind of dream job. <laughs> so I said, sure, let's give it a try. And um, just so happens that Mike Luongo was the assistant manager at the time. And um, I started on there and I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. I had a great time. Um, every single day we were responsible for taking people out to shoot, giving instructions, helping people out. And I found it very satisfying. I didn't actually shoot my first round of sporting plays till after working there for about six months. And I did that first round. We just went out with a couple guys who was working there, uh, after work at one period of time. And, um, we shot around and I was infatuated. I said, Oh my God, I'm going to buy a gun. I'm going to buy case ammo and I want to get good at this. Um, so the very next day, first gun I ever bought, um, just being brand new to it was uh, Brown and Max's semi-auto. And uh, we would just, we would go out and shoot. And then I developed a relationship with Mike who actually, believe it or not, did not like me at first. Um, we butted heads about a lot of different things whenever I first started there. And uh, after we had got to hang out and know each other a little bit more, um, I come to know Mike's reputation as a shooter. And um, I was very intrigued by that. And I said, Mike, um, what can we do? Like, I really, I want to start competing. I want to get good at this. I don't really know how to, uh, go about what it is I want to do. He was like, I'll tell you what, I'll train you under one condition. Um, you have to do every single thing I tell you to, and you can't question any of it. And I said, fine. So after that, it was great. Um, he started giving me some formal training. Um, we would do a lot of shooting after work. Luckily, working at Nemecolon, we were able to shoot for free because uh, their policy at the time was, okay, if the trappers can go out and shoot, then if they can hit targets, they can teach people how to hit targets. So that was a really cool perk to the job. And Trust me, we took advantage of it. So Nimi Colon, that's a pretty, that's a big place, right? Am I right when I say they've never been there? Yeah, it's an awesome place. It's a big resort, um, chandeliers. Uh, they have the Chateau up there, a couple award-winning golf courses. And uh, then they have the Shooting Academy there, which is now known as the Field Club. And uh, that's where I got my start at. Yep. All right. So you were 19 when you, the first time you shot? Yeah, that was the first time I pulled the trigger on an actual round of sporting place. Okay. How old are you now, Corey? I'm 31. Still young. What, yeah, you say that. <laughs> so how can someone like, how can Mike not like someone? Like, what did you do not for him not to like you? Well, I mean, there's probably a couple of circumstances as to why Mike wouldn't like somebody. As in, I, since he was my boss, I would constantly give him crap about things that I probably shouldn't. And to be honest, Justin, I was no saying I was uh, kind of a punk young kid at the time until he whipped me in the shape. So I'll give him credit for that. Um, so <laughs> that's kind of yeah. how that transpired. 
So what what do you remember from back then when Mike was helping you or coaching you? What what what's something that you remember maybe still used today? Well, a lot of the things actually. Um, as we worked there, we ran a lot of the big shoots that they had at the time. So we had the Hardy Classic, uh, the four the Benelli four fifty four. So not only was I learning things from Mike about shooting, but also about target setting, you know, how to run a gun club, um, just the general way of things. Because like I said, I didn't know anything at the time. I was starting from scratch. I didn't know. Um, so I was able to get a plethora of information from him from different things. What uh, What's one of your memories, one of your favorite memories maybe with Mike? Uh, one of my favorites was when we went to the Nationals in uh, 2012. That was a really good one. So it was almost kind of bittersweet. Mike's probably going to hate me for telling the story, but um, we went out there. I was probably shooting for about a year at this point. I'd worked my way up to A class. Mm-hmm. And I go out there, my first event's the five stand. I absolutely bombed the five stand. My gun is shaking so bad in my hands because I'm so nervous. And uh, he's like, man, you got to calm down. You got to relax. And we were out shooting the course and then finally found my step, started shooting really well. And every single time I'd miss a target, Mike would just cuss me up one side and down the other. I mean, bad. And it was to the point where a little lady that was uh, behind us watching, I think one of her grandsons or something, shoot was like, you know, you really need to calm down, you know. You need to just relax a little bit. He's, she's like, or he's like, uh, man, calm down. I'm going to help him win. And it was funny because at the time, that's exactly what happened was I went out there. I was able to win a class and I think I even got a junior runner up in the K cup. I shot a 96. So my first outing at the nationals winning my class and then, you know, being able to compete at a high level and shoot and score like a 96 on the Craig off cup. I was ecstatic, but the bitter part of the story was poor Mike um, goes out there and shoots a hundred straight in the 20 gauge and loses in the shootout. <laughs> Needless to say, he was not too happy about it, but um, I'm pretty sure he could maybe joke about it now since he has a couple more hundred straights under his belt. So what, so the 2012 nationals were you 1920 still same age somewhere in there? Yeah, I was, I think I was 20. I must've been 20 because I was still considered a junior before 21. Yeah. And that was your first, was that your first big tournament? I believe so. I might've been to like a state shoot or something before that, but just didn't shoot very well. But that was my first really big shoot. Yeah. So back then I'm assuming you just shot an awful lot practice in as many tournaments as you could. Is that, is that how it went for you or not? Yeah, I tried to shoot as many as I could. I was so infatuated with the sport at the time that anytime I could get my hand on the case of shells and go out to the field club there and shoot, 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 I could. Yeah. Um, one of the things I can say that was different about my upbringing is my parents didn't really have anything to do with my shooting a career. Not to say that they didn't you know, support it, but I was on my own financially and I wasn't making a lot of money at the field club. I was doing good, you know, but I had to work a lot just to get case ammo. I would do weird stuff like detail cars for members or clean people's houses and get paid in shelves, you know, back when Rio's were $40 a case. And I just, I did that so much and I just worked and worked and worked. And when you put that much work into it and you're getting ammo in return, uh, I think for me, I didn't have to shoot quite as much because it just, to me, I had to make every single shot count. Um, Every single bullet that I put in my gun was very valuable to me because a lot of time had gone into getting that ammo. So um, I tried to make the most of what I had. So now you own and operate Gulf Coast Clays in Naples, Florida. Yes, that is correct. Small trap and skeet sporting club. How did you end up from Pennsylvania down to Florida? So this is a really good story. Um, I don't know. You probably know him very well, or used to know him, uh, Chuck Fraser with Promatic. Right. Unfortunately, obviously, Chuck isn't with us anymore, but Chuck was a huge inspiration for me. I worked with him at many of the Hardy Classics and uh, different big shoots that we had while I was still at the Shooting Academy. And I think I was 22 at the time, 
Chuck was traveling all over the country, servicing traps, doing his thing. And he ended up down here in Naples, Florida, where I'm located now. The club down here had just come under new ownership. And um, it was an English gentleman named Colin Burroughs, really nice guy. Um, it was great to work for. And he had me down and Chuck called me and said, hey, um, there's a guy down here looking for a manager of this little club. I think it'd be a perfect gig for you. Now, I'm 22 years old. Don't know really know that much about business yet because I haven't been out in the real world that much. And uh, I said, man, I don't know. He's like, just come down and check it out. So they trapped me. I left in February and uh, I left a snowstorm. I flew out of Pittsburgh. I was like, oh, this is crap. And got down to Florida and it was February. It was sunny. It was 75. It was beautiful. Um, when I got there, the club was kind of a little mom and pop place. It wasn't anything extravagant like uh, the shooting academy was. And I said, man, this is really nice. This could be a lot of fun. And um, I ended up moving down shortly after I went back and I flew into another snowstorm 48 hours later and I called him. I said, I'll be there at the end of March. So that was cool. And then I came down and my uh, I brought another guy down with me, Joel Davis. He came down as my assistant manager. He worked with me at Nemecone at the time too. And then, um, yeah, so basically I got my start from Chuck Fraser. He was the one that recommended me for the job. And I came down here and met with him and it was great. I loved it. The new boss seemed really cool. It was definitely stressful at first. Because I was throwing myself to the fire, moving to a different state, away from family, didn't have any friends down here. Um, but it really all worked out in the end. How long did you work there before you ended up buying it? I was there for six years. Um, it was 2019, right before COVID, unfortunately, uh, is when I ended up buying the club. The owner came to me and said, Corey, you know, um, I have a lot of stuff going on. I have different businesses in different parts of the world. I just, I can't keep up with this anymore as much as I like it. And um, so I ended up, we just had talks and he's like, I want to sell it, but I want to sell it to you. And I was, this was a huge shock to me because I'm like, wow, talk about really throwing myself to the fire now. So um, ended up getting some help uh, from some of the members um, as far as being able to help me get some collateral in place so that I can end up buying it. And it's been history ever since. I, I don't regret it for a minute. How has it changed since you've gotten there? to now it's it's changed a lot um it's constantly undergoing new changes and there's always um obstacles that we have to overcome every year it seems like we had a year of really bad mosquitoes we we've had two hurricanes since i've been here irma and ian which always end up flooding the club wildfires um so yeah it's a constant struggle in that respect but we've done new things like put in uh, new promatic white card equipment uh bring in 30 new traps on a lease from promatic and that's, that's things we've done kind of in the past couple of years that have really helped elevate the status of the club. And our registered shoot numbers have been going up, even though we're kind of located out in the middle of nowhere. So just little improvements like that, trying to keep everything looking nice, keep the grass cut and, you know, just making constant improvements. And the members really seem to like it. And um, it just makes it a more enjoyable place to shoot. How big is your place? It's not that big. So we sit on about 55 acres. Uh, we have two trap fields, two skeet fields a small five stand. And then we have 14 station sporting place course with three machines on a station. Um, so we do, we usually set up uh, an easy menu and a hard menu, kind of meld the targets together. That way we can give presentations that we have something everybody can enjoy. This is, I don't know, it's a topic that I talk about some, and it seems like every time you hear of someone owning a gun club or working at a gun club, they can just flat out shoot, right? <laughs> if say your parents own one or say you worked at one or, or whatever it is, it seems like they can just shoot. Why do you think that is? Because they're around it all the time or because they shoot all the time? Because I don't think that they shoot all the time. I think it could be a combination of a couple different things. And I have this conversation with a lot of people. Everybody says, oh, you know, you own a gun club, you shoot all the time. And honest to God, no, I do not. Um, 
it's it's weird for me to say that, but as I was talking about before, I, I don't shoot much because I don't want to shoot my own targets. I think some of the reasons, maybe some of these shooters, maybe they do shoot a lot of their own clubs. Um, I can't speak for all the club owners that are out there, but um, I know setting targets probably definitely has an effect on one's ability to go out and compete whenever you set targets. You have a better understanding of them whenever you're out shooting competition. But for me personally, I get almost zero practice time in because I don't enjoy shooting my own targets. Not to say that I you know, set bad targets, but I would much rather go to, say, Vermont up the road, my buddy Jake Davenport's place, and shoot there for practice just because it's something different. It's a different flavor. I know what I set, and I feel more challenged whenever I'm shooting somebody else's targets. Yeah. Now, you learned from setting targets from Mike Luongo, and I'm... Chuck Frazier. Chuck Frazier was um, another big one. Whenever I first came down here for the job, um, I had him in every single year to set my traps, and every single year when he would come in, I would ask him, hey, Chuck, would you go through with me and set a course? You know, I want to see what it is you want to do with the property, how you use the angles, how you use, you know, the terrain that we have, which isn't much. Obviously, it's Florida, it's flat. But um, and then getting that insight from him, I was getting a whole different um, perspective on what I could do with targets on my property that I never thought of myself. So he was a huge influence as far as um, me learning how to set targets. Yeah. All right. So the reason I'm, I'm bringing all this up is because you have no time to shoot or you don't shoot. And yet you still win Florida state championship in 22 and in 23. Now I want you to explain to me and everybody else how that's possible. It's, it's kind of difficult for me to explain. Um, for me personally, I feel like in the past couple of years, I've really learned how to control my mental game. And this is something I feel like a lot of people struggle with as far as the nerves, the anxiety of going out to shoot. I've really learned how to calm myself down, come up with a really good pre-shot routine and take those feelings of anxiety and um, being afraid of missing into actual focus. Uh, like I said, a solid pre-shot routine for me is what it really takes for me to just go out and shoot. I mean, I've shot for 10 years now, and I've been able to shoot consistently in the 90s for the past five years. So the mechanics as far as the stance, the mount, the gun fit, the whole points, that's all ingrained in my mind. After that, the biggest problem is just not talking yourself out of targets. So even if I step in the box and I'm in a big shoot, I've learned how to calm my anxiety to a point where I can just shoot freely like I'm shooting around to practice versus getting very tense and very nervous and going out and dropping a lot of targets that I shouldn't. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with as well. It's it's not easy to deal with. How do you do that? Can you explain it? I, can, I guess I can try to kind of explain it. So whenever I get in the box, um, I have to physically calm my nerves down because I'm so shaken up. I'm even almost sick to my stomach, and it's kind of embarrassing to say that. But um, just being able to take and just like a weight off your shoulders, just let that feeling of pressure, anxiety, letting it flow all the way from the top of your head down to your feet, just let your arms be loose. And that little mantra that I have to tell myself for every single pair that I attempt is don't be afraid to miss, move the gun smooth, stare at the target. I will say that before every single pair that I shoot. And it's vital to me because if I don't do it, then I will forget to do that. But I feel like ingraining that little mantra into your subconscious is fantastic because while you're doing the shot, it's just a subtle reminder for you to do those positive things rather than think about the negative thoughts like, oh my gosh, this target looks hard. I don't know how much lead should I give it? Should I, should I be under it? So instead of just, you know, thinking about all these things, it just kind of alleviates that pressure off of you. And then you can just go back to really focusing on properly looking at the target. That's, that's kind of the best way that I feel like I can describe it. Yeah. And then if you do miss, most people get mad or, you know, maybe not like mad where they're throwing something, but aggravated. 
if that happens to you is what do you do then? What's your next step? Take another deep I can, breath. <laughs> I can honestly say I don't get mad. Um, I really don't get mad. I enjoy the sport whenever I'm out competing like that. And I think part of it too, is being with a group of people in your squad that you really enjoy shooting with that are there to pump you up and give you positive reinforcements. So for example, I shot in 2022 at the Florida state championships with, uh, Ryan Harper and Rihanna Franz, right. two fantastic shooters. Um, also with Jake Davenport. So we had a couple of really good shooters in our squad. And then we had Jake who God bless him. Jake, I love you, buddy. If you listen to this, um, you, you're definitely the life of the party. He, he's the one that's in the group kind of loosening everything up, making it fun. That way it's just a constant, calm, fun atmosphere versus that super tense, you know, being over the top, um, crazy about making the shot. So, and I think shooting with a group of people that's really good is extremely beneficial because um, when you have that much positive energy and you see people, other people in your squad that are good shooters breaking targets, then I think it also helps uh, up your confidence as well whenever it comes time for you to step in the box. Yeah. Now, do you have anything custom, like a gun, a stock, uh, anything you like to use, or are you just kind of one of them guys that just goes out and throws it together and pulls a trigger? So, yeah, funny story about that as well. So, uh, first of all, shout out to Rich Cole and Cole Gunsmithing. They are my gun sponsor. I shoot a DT-11. Mm-hmm. And um, shout out to them and Cole Machine because I also do shoot the Cole Precision Chokes, which I did have a small part in developing those chokes. Um, really? So, I'm really proud of those products, and I think they shoot very well. Me personally, I'm a little bit different. So before the 2022 Florida State, I was actually struggling a lot in my shooting. And I really couldn't figure out why. I was messing around with this DT-11. I only had it for maybe six months. And uh, the one turning point, and I don't know why this works so well, is I took and I jacked my comb up so this gun was shooting almost 100% high. And I went out and shot, and I couldn't miss anything. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then I get to the 2022 Florida State, and my first event out, I shoot super sporting, and I shoot a 73 out of 75 and win it on what I think is a very difficult course. And I was just so loose and relaxed, and the gun just felt like it was shooting where I was pointing. And um, it was it was a huge turning point as far as the confidence, and it just carried over into the rest of the shoot. So your gun is shooting 100% high. Yeah, that is no joke. Put it on the patterning board. You'd be like, wow, how does this guy hit anything with it? But I just, I feel like I could see the target so much better with it that way. Well, explain it, how you, how you do hit something with it like that. I don't know. I mean, I don't change anything different about shooting. I still look at the targets the same way I would before. I don't change anything with hole points. Um, just ever since I've done that, and I don't know if it has something to do with my eyes or something else, but just when I pull the gun up, I, I know the target's going to break now, and it's going to break hard. And having that confidence, I, I sure as heck don't want to switch back to, you know, for example, 55, 45, or 60, 40. I don't know that I've ever heard, had somebody tell me that before, but Hey, if it works, I mean, you want it in 22 and 23, it must be working. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I think there are a couple of people that do shoot with a little bit of higher gun, maybe not a hundred, but maybe more like 70, 30 or 80, 20. Yeah. Um, I, I don't necessarily float targets, but it's just, I don't know. It, it changes the sight picture and it just feels more comfortable for me breaking targets. I, it's one of those things. It's also, it, it was just a trial and error thing. I wasn't expecting it to work and, it worked and I, I couldn't believe it. It was just a shot in the dark. And you got it still that way. Still- I still have it that way. I've <laughs> not moved that cone since uh, bef- I, I moved it right before I left for the 2022 Florida state. And I have not changed it since. So you say you don't practice and I'm sure it's because you're busy. And just like you said, you don't want to really shoot your own targets. How do you, how do you prepare for shoots like a big tournament? How, how would, how do you prepare for something like that? Are you just always prepared? I mean, I guess I just go to work and then I wake up the next day and it's like, okay, time to go to the shoot. <laughs> 
yeah. I mean, I, I don't have a secret sauce. In other words, I don't, I don't have a method or uh, a routine that I go through the week before. Um, if anything, and I know it's going to sound kind of juvenile, I do still play some video games, maybe some Call of Duty. And I play a lot of table tennis with my wife, who uh, was a junior uh, national champion in Russia for table tennis. Um, so doing little things like that, I think, really help keep up with your hand-eye coordination and really help sharpen the reflexes. Because I'm not a young pup anymore like these younger guys like Finesi or Joe Pynchon or any of those, you know, Tom Say. You know, they, they definitely have the advantage only for eyes. But I think if you can do things to keep up your hand-eye coordination and reflexes, I think it goes a long way. Have you tried the virtual reality Clay's game? I have not, but I'd love to hear more about it. It's a VR headset, and I forgot the name of it. I'll put it in the show notes of this this episode. But you can download an actual course. And it's, since you're into games, I'm just telling you about this. It's I mean, I had Zach Kingbaum over here one time playing it. He's like, this is crazy. I said, I know it is. You can stand. It looks like you're standing in a box or in the cage or whatever you want to call it. You can look over and see the blue traps. You can look out and you can see birds flying in trees. You can put your hole points where they need to be. And they're pretty accurate. The speed of the targets that they throw rabbits. Every, I mean, pairs, you can shoot a whole course. You can shoot skeet. You can shoot trap. You can shoot it all. It's unbelievable how accurate it is for a game. That's incredible. I mean, when you're playing that game, it, does it seem like everything is pretty relative as far as the leads go? Or, yes. Um, yes. Wow. They, so they really put in that extra effort to really make it seem as real as possible. They, they even make, you know, because when you're playing virtual reality, you have to have something in your hands to control what's going on that you see. So they even make a shotgun stock where these controllers slide into and you can adjust the stock and the gun to make it feel like your own. I don't know if you can get it quite exactly like yours but you can adjust everything on it how long it is how short it is just everything i'll tell you this is really making me want to make a trip to best buy <laughs> well it's it's the the thing we use is called an oculus okay you've yep. heard of that and you can actually download this game through the the internet on this oculus and be playing it i mean you can even go on bird hunts i mean it's it's nuts it's it's crazy at how accurate it like i said how accurate it is for a video game and i've said to several people if you have kids that like to play games and they like to shoot and you can't go shoot all the time let them try that one time that is crazy and i'm sure as that technology advances and gets better and better uh, imagine the level of shooting that's going to increase across the country when people can go home and practice in their home at night or even doing virtual online tournaments and sporting plays it's that could that could become the next big thing one day. I've thought about that. I've mentioned that to few pe a few people before that because everybody, especially the younger kids that's coming up. All right, you got you got the the 8, 17, 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kids. They like Call of Duty. They like all these games that, that you're talking about. Well, what if they had a a clay tournament or a clay uh, league and you could do it all virtual and then you had each and every club's station in there so if you wanted to go shoot the meadows or you want to go shoot your place all the stations showed up station four shows up like this and you could shoot the tournament at, at any gun club you want to i mean that's way and out that's way out think there. about it, the other incredible thing about that is you know imagine uh doing running like an online tournament you would have ten thousand people with the shoot <laughs> oh yeah people that don't even go to shoots would be there heck yeah i mean if you don't have to worry about travel or anything like that then and just do it from the comfort of your own home that's that would be incredible yeah what well, you need to try it it's it would cost somebody if they wanted to set this up 
I don't know, Oculus is two ninety nine and the game's like thirty bucks or something like that, and it updates as you go. I mean, you can shoot shotguns like automatics, over and unders, pumps, side by sides, whatever you want to shoot. If you want to go shoot pigeons, you can shoot pigeons. If you want to go shoot ducks, you can shoot ducks. If you want to shoot trap, whatever you want to do is on there. You need to try it. I'm absolutely going to check that out. I'll I'll send you the link uh, to the game. I also posted it in the notes as well, so people can check that out. But it's it's definitely instead of sitting around on a rainy day and having to sit there and watch Hallmark movies with your wife, just get up and go play the Oculus. You know, I mean it's it's pretty neat. So, yeah, that'd be sweet. So how many tournaments would you say you shoot in a year? Or how many targets would you shoot, I guess you'd say? I'd say I'm probably somewhere between 1,200 and 1,500. I usually, and most of that comes from like the state shoot, or sometimes I'll shoot the state shoot and the Jack Links Cup. Um, so yeah, I'd say probably between 12 or 1,500. And I think about seven or 800 of them just come from the state shoot. I don't, I just don't, I don't get it. I, that you shoot as little as you do and you still win state tournaments because you're down there shooting with guys that know how to shoot. It ain't like you're going down there and shooting with people that play the Oculus. You're, you're, you're shooting with guys that know how to shoot and you're winning. That's, that's cool. Sure. But yeah, I mean, you look at people like Ryan Harper, he's the same way. I mean, this is a guy that works a lot. He just, he just goes to registered shoots and that's when he shoots and he ended up getting what number two in the world this year. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's incredible. And, um, it, it took a lot of hard work to get there, but now I think it's just repetition and just not psyching yourself out and not letting the mental game get the best of you because we all know that the biggest battle in this sport is the six inches in between our ears. Yeah. You're right about that. Or in my case, it's probably 11 inches, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I've seen Ryan shoot and he's always calm. He might be, that just might be what I noticed, but he seems to be always calm and the and and if you think about it, the majority of the people that do win are calm, you know, and they don't get stirred yeah, up. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, and my hat's off to uh, Zach and people like Anthony. Um, when you watch these guys shoot, even Bill McGuire, they just, they look like robot machines. Everything, every single move they do is very meticulous. Uh, there's not a whole point out of place anywhere. And it's same thing with Harper. Um, actually, my buddy Paul that uh, I used to work with, he he shot with Harper with us uh, one time, and he said the best thing he could describe Harper as, he looks like a fighter jet. <laughs> He's just so locked in on the target that he just looks like an F-22 coming in ready to make the kill. Talk about your deal down in Florida. You've got Gulf Coast Clays. Where in Naples? Okay, now how? Wh- where is that in relation to all the other places? So I'm kind of like in my own little corner out in the middle of nowhere in the Everglades. I'd say I'm about an hour and a half from Fort Lauderdale, an hour and a half from Miami. And the closest club to me is probably Vermont Shooting Sports, which is uh, right up the road about an hour and 10 minutes. Uh, so for me to get out and want to do any kind of practicing is difficult with everything being so far away. But yeah, um, we're about 20, 30 minutes south of downtown Naples. Uh, just a little drive out to the Everglades, uh, 41 and 951, a uh, fairly short drive off uh, 75. And you come on down, it's a beautiful area, pretty secluded. We have a big canal that runs along the club. You're constantly seeing wildlife. There's deer that walk out in front of the trap fields while people shoot. We have turkey every morning, uh, a plethora of gators. And the canal that we have there is usually really good fishing. It's just, it's a very, it's kind of a scenic place. It's unlike any place that I've ever shot before, just because it has that true, you're in the Everglades feel. Um, they kill pythons uh, on the properties around us all the time. So, I mean, you're really, you're almost basically right in the middle of the jungle. It's, it's pretty cool. I've never been there, but I'm, it, that makes me want to go. The python problem down there is crazy. 
Yeah, it's been out of control. Um, I actually, I finally got my uh, Python skin pouch. There's a lady here across the street that uh, hunts pythons in the Everglades. And she's a blonde lady. Uh, she's been on the news several times. Fox News, she's killed uh, pythons that have been, you know, 17, 18 foot long out in the Everglades. And she's just a blonde girl, about five, six, and can't weigh more than 120 pounds soaking wet. And she traces out in the swamps and jumps on these things like Steve Irwin and wrestles them down. <laughs> it's, it's not, not my cup of tea personally. Really? Um, but I, I think it's just incredible <laughs> they do that in the first place. Does she, is that how she really gets, catches them? Absolutely. Um, she usually catches them live. Because they usually catch them on uh, the state park properties, and you're not allowed to discharge a firearm down here on uh, the state park properties. So she has to take them and usually dispose of them somewhere else. At least that's how it used to be. I don't know if she's doing something different now. But there's been several times where I know her fairly well. She's brought a couple of the pythons over to the club in a plastic tote. She says, hey, I got a 14-footer here. You want to check it out? Sure. And she'll pull this thing out and start showing people. People will gather around. Um, it, it's, it's pretty wild. And then this whole thing is just wrapping all around her and she's, I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I, I got it. <laughs> and, and that has nothing to do with shooting, but Florida I has, know, I know. has a, has a serious problem with pythons and iguanas. Yes. So, but, but that, why, why is iguanas that? Iguanas are also funny. Why is that? I don't just, were they, if you go back in time, it's just pets being released. Is that what it is? I think it's that, and I think somebody told me um, during Hurricane Andrew, the Miami Zoo got flooded, and I think some of the animals had gotten out, um, and I think that was also a part of the reason some of it started. But, yeah, some of our members at my gun club in particular have formed, like, this little club where they go around Marco Island, which is this very high-end, upscale place to live with air rifles, and they kill these iguanas. It's it's hilarious. They go through the golf courses and stuff and just start picking them off. It's I haven't been, but it sounds like a good time. Yeah. Well, I've seen pictures of people that have been, and it looks fun. So. Go to Florida. You get alligators, pythons, and iguanas. Reptile, reptile state for sure. There is no shortage of things that either want to eat you or give you malaria. <laughs> <laughs> mosquitoes. You have a lot of them down there too. Oh yeah, mosquitoes <laughs> in the summertime can get a little out of hand. They're getting a little bit crazy right now. And then uh, you know we got panthers too. We got bears. We got coyotes. I swear, it's it's just a cesspool for all those different kinds of animals that just aren't the friendliest in the world. Do you ever find yourself going, dang, I kind of wish I was back up North again. Occasionally there are times where I'll be setting targets in August when it's 95 degrees out, hundred percent humidity. I'm getting swamped by mosquitoes and I'm thinking, man, I could really go for some Northern weather right now. But on the flip side of that, when everybody up North is getting snowed on and I'm sitting on a beach with a cocktail in February, uh, I'm not super jealous at that point. That's right. So what's your plans for the future? far as your business you're shooting yeah the future is kind of still open at this point i do have somewhat of a plan um whenever i get the gun club just a little bit more established i think that i want to try to make a run at doing a lot more shooting and going to some of the bigger shoots um i've just been so consumed with work and getting everything the way i want it to that it, it hasn't been a priority but once everything calms down i feel like i can maybe possibly put a management in my team at some point that can kind of watch over things so I can travel a little bit more. I'd love to go out and try to possibly compete on a higher level while I still have a chance. I don't want to wake up one day when I'm 55 years old and realize my reflexes are going down. My eyesight isn't as good. Um, I just signed up for the Western zone in August. Uh, my wife and I are going to go out to Colorado, the long meadow gun club, check that out. And we're going to make a little vacation out of it and go out and see some of the national parks and state parks and, do a little bit of sightseeing. I haven't been out to Colorado before, so I think it'd be a lot of fun. And then um, actually this coming weekend, I got a bachelor party we're going to go to with a couple buddies, and we're going to go out to Branson and check out the shooting academy out there. Yeah, Branson, Missouri. 
Yep. You're talking about uh, Bass Pro? Yeah, uh, Big Cedar Lodge. Yeah. I think you even talked about it before with some guys. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see it. I'm not going to be able to shoot too much. We're going to go out there and uh, shoot for a little bit one of the mornings, and then we're going to go play Top of the Rock. And, um, yeah, we're just going to hang out and have a good time and have some drinks with some good buds before our friend goes off and gets married. Yep. That sounds fun. It's a nice place. You'll enjoy that. The five stand there is really, really cool. Uh, yeah, the, the, I'm kind of confused as to how the layout is because I see just from the pictures online and stuff on how it's set up. And do they have like an actual full on sporting place course, or is it just a whole bunch of stands set up in like a five steel fa- or five stand fashion? All right. So the way that it was when I was the, when I went, only, I've only been one time. Is they had like uh, I want to say it was PVC stands that were just set up around the property. Okay. So I don't know that it was actually an actual course, but it, it was good terrain. I mean, most of it's flat, but you'll see, I mean, there's, there's like rolling hills and then the five stand setups over to the side and they've got like a nice built covered five stand. It looks like it's tiered kind of, and it's just traps sitting down there in the bottom. They're all in the, you're shooting under your feet on the five stand. So it's uh it's cool. I like it. And I don't know if it's an actual course like you've got or like we see around here, but it's, it's, it's set up as a course, you know? That's awesome. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I, I saw the videos from the 2017 PSCA, and I've heard a lot of guys talk really good about it. Um, I think even Clay was the one that was saying about how much he liked it, and that's that's really pumping me up when we go out this weekend. Yeah, you, yeah, you'll enjoy it. I want to tell you one thing Mike sent me earlier. He said, Corey is an all-around good guy, level-headed. I've never seen him mad and a super good human. I wanted to tell you that because, you know, if somebody ever said that about me, I'd want to know it. You know, are you sure that came from Mike Longa? Or- <laughs> I, th- I think so, but yeah, yeah, Mike really thinks a lot of you. Uh, he's he's talked very well about you, very good about you, and and uh, I know he's glad to see you. You're doing good, and I think it's cool that you're doing what you're doing. You know, so. yeah, Mike is he's helped me out so much. I have a lot to be thankful for when it comes to Mike. Um, uh, him and Sarah have been fantastic, and the knowledge that he's bestowed upon me over the years with different things, um, I can't thank him enough for it. It's Part of me still believes that um, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for Luongo. And just a heads up for all you other young guys coming up in the sport, you know, there's so many opportunities that opens up a sporting place that it's such a great community to be a part of. Um, I know a lot of people that get starts and make a lot of money or have really awesome careers from starting in sporting place. For example, my buddy Nick Lepore um, over on the Eastern Shore, Maryland, um, haven't talked to him in a while, but he's a pretty high-end salesman for, I think it's... Macaulay, I I can never remember the name. It's a crazy name. Um, it's a big equipment sales place, and he's doing very well. And there's so many people that just get into the sport, and they do so well from the contacts and from the camaraderie that I, I highly recommend anybody that's new to the sport stick with it because the opportunities are vast and endless. Yeah, there's a lot of good people in it and a lot of successful people. And it's like I said, I like I like going to a shoot just to talk to people, just to say see what's going on, how people are doing how their business is going. And then it's time for me to go shoot. And I don't, I really don't care if I go shoot or not. I'd rather sit here and talk to these people. You know, that's just, <laughs> that's just the way I've always been, but yeah, you'll meet some really good people down to earth. And, uh, I just, you ain't gonna meet no better people in my opinion. So no, the camaraderie is amazing. Um, even cause I don't get out to shoot that much. So when I do, it's, I see all the guys and people that I haven't seen in forever. And, um, we just, it's so much fun just going out afterwards are uh, just hanging out at the banquet dinners and talking to everybody. It's it's so cool, and everybody's so nice, and I, I can't possibly think of a better group of people to be surrounded by on a regular basis. Yep. All right, before we get going, tell everybody listening how to get a hold of 
of you if they want to come down to Gulf Coast Clays or how they get how they find your place or are you online anything like that? Yeah, we are absolutely online. Um, GulfCoastClays.com. That's G U L F C O A S T C L A Y S dot com. Uh, you can find all of our most updated information there, all of our upcoming events. Uh, phone numbers. I think my email is direct on the site. So if you need to contact me or if you want to make accommodations, come down and shoot. I'd be more than happy to have you. Um, it's a cool place to be, and we'd love to have whoever wants to come down. Well, Corey, thank you for coming on. Congratulations on everything that you've got going for you, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, man. Uh, thanks for having me on, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for listening. For more episodes, go to our website shotgunsportsusa.com and don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook.